The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows. He's Chris Awellow. How do you make it? I'm very well, thank you. This is the Old Gold Club, uh, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, as ever. Keep following them on Twitter, at WV Build Supplies. This is the podcast that I think a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, ever since we kind of launched this thing about trying to track down cult heroes, cult figures, the, the fact the players that weren't necessarily the standout star of the team, but were a player that people just had an an affinity to, a real joy to watch them play. And for a lot of people, it's the man to my left-hand side, Georgia Lukovi. Thanks for having me, Mikey. Always a pleasure being part of your cast. See, and this is also going to be a good one because you two have a lot of history between each other. Yeah, I, when I came back to English football, uh, Phil Parkinson brought me to Colchester. And like you say, I walk in, young George Ellicobi, just as loud back then as, as he is now. But you know what? Just a genuine, genuine soul. You know, like a great energy about him. The way that he carried himself, the way that he held himself, the way that he spoke to others. Uh, and on top of that, he just, yeah, he's an absolute machine, isn't he? Was he exactly the same then as he is now? Exactly the same. You know, and I, I took to him from the first day I met him. I took to him. We had, uh, remember we had Christmas Day together. He came and joined me. He wasn't having Christmas Day at the digs. And I remember he said that. I said, that's not going to happen. And he came and joined <laughs> me and my daughters and things. And we had a, a wonderful day. Stayed the night. And uh, we went into training the next day, as you do. But you know what? It's he is, He's a fantastic character. And he's been the exact same all the way through his career, no matter the... Can, and it is there's many ups there's many many downs with the game as well and he's he's that smile it's always the same <laughs> just just adding to to what um, Chris has just said coming into um, into Colchester obviously I was I was there and when Chris came in I saw this this giant of a guy and I didn't know what what to think of before what his um, character was going to be like so as a young as a younger younger player you wanted to find out more about about his personality, where he's he's been and where he's played his football before, but then you couldn't you could tell straight away he's an experienced pro. He's been about and um, a proper top top pro the way he done things, and straight away I was learning from day one when he walked when he walked through the door. I was like, okay, I'm gonna copy, I'm gonna copy, I'm gonna copy. I'm you know he won't know I'm copying, but I'm just trying to grasp things as much as I could being a youngster I know we weren't playing the same position in the same position but you know him being the person that he was and also being a top professional every day in training he would advise me on my game advise me on the things I weren't doing quite right he would advise me on the services he demands from, from myself it's that like, you've got this you've got this this is how I want the ball saved into me this is how I want the ball when you're crossing the ball because I was playing a left back and it's that when you get to that bar line make sure your end product is right because I'll be there to, to score a goal for you and you get an assist and it was just like that you know looked after after me like he's just, he just said I'm going to repeat it again um, it was Christmas and I was going to spend spend the night in, in Dix because obviously we had we had a game the following day I had to um, travel the, the following day we had to train and travel and he asked me, what are you doing for Christmas, um, um, young George? I was like, I'm going to spend spend Christmas in Dicks. I didn't want to go back all the way to my mom's in London because uh, it was a long way. I wasn't driving either. And he's like, 
no, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna have you spending Christmas in Dicks. Hell no, not not over my dead bodies. So um, he came, picked me up. He did pick me up from from Dicks and took me to his family. And I had one of the best Christmas I've ever had. And I spent <laughs> the night there with one with of the himself. best Christmas he's ever had. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an amazing. So you know the relationship with Chris and myself is not just started today. It's been it's been gone way back and a great mentor to have in the game as well so is is christmas at the Uelamos? do you play party games <laughs> were the balloons I, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't share more of that, <laughs> I'll, keep that I'll keep that between that's it uh, well between, done between well friends done. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you to remember me um it's clearly a lot of uh respect it's probably a, the best word isn't it to sum up how you two feel about each other no, of course. I think that's uh, that's the way that it should be. I've got to say, we've had our run-ins as well. We've had our disagreements, and we're both strong characters. I bet and that's scary. That's part and parcel of the game. You know, at the end of the day, it's <laughs> George will say to me, if it's the ball's bouncing off, it's it's it is, it's constructive it criticism. Yeah, exactly. You got holy. This up. is part of the game. It's it's how the way, I guess, because the way that we we do feel for each other, then he can say a lot more yeah. than someone else can say without getting maybe a little. Reaction, and that's yeah. and we we spoke about that just the other day. Uh, well, when we had Carl Henry in the other week, I mean, it kind of sums up that group that you were all in. That yeah. like from the outside of it, if if you don't know you guys, then you kind of people might look at it and go like, oh, because there was a few people basically, uh, basically George, <laughs> Looms and Carl had fallen out over something that Looms had said on TV about him. <laughs> Right, and they hadn't spoken. I'm not being out of turn. No, no, here, yeah, since April seventeenth, they, they hadn't spoken for months. Right, and so Carl literally walks in, sit down, yep. and they go at it. And yeah. there was a few people who kind of responded to it because we put it out on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And they were like, "Oh, that was a bit awkward." And I, no, it's not. It's not awkward because I know you. It's I didn't it, think it was awkward. No, no, it's not. It's not awkward. Wait a minute. Wait, you I was worried. Was, how nervous was he? Or one, he was calling me on the way in. I feel really nervous about this. What, Are you sure it's going to go? Oh, he's he going to go. Once, once you're in the environment, you never. But before, you didn't know what was going to happen. No, 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 I didn't mean that. Before <laughs> that, George, I was you, you, absolutely you never knew. You never knew what had happened before, beforehand. Is that no, what you're No, no, I didn't know what they were going to say. All talk. right, but this is to, let me tell you this now. These are, these are two big, very big characters in the changing room. I've been in, in that changing room with them. You've got, we had a lot of characters in there. I'll say a lot of leaders. Yeah. We've all played at a certain level. We've got certain experiences under our belts. So if there was something to be said, we say it in, 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 in the open air and we deal with it straight on. It wasn't, it wasn't violent. It wasn't aggressive. But it was just constructive. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so it was, if it was something that had to be sorted, it was sorted constructively. Thing is, and, when you said then that it wasn't violent, I was... Yeah. Just through my head, I was thinking someone would have had to be absolutely mental to try and be violent with you. <laughs> I don't think anyone is going to try that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I do not think anyone want to get violent with me because I'll keep coming and keep coming. And you don't want that. I don't. I think yeah, that's, I, think I that, really I think, don't. I think that those words were said to me. So, Chris, we can do this. I'm going to keep coming and I'm going to keep coming. <laughs> I right. used to say well, that we'll to leave you all the time. We'll put, we'll put a pen in that way, one then. All the way from, from Colchester. When, like even in training sometimes you like obviously rough each other up I'll get more because I'm, I, I was I wasn't I wasn't big big I was big but I was a I was a big character I could take it 
you know, there were times where I got the elbows on the lip and he all cut up his bleeding and I'll be in his ears. It's like, oh, you got big man. I'll, I'll keep coming. I'm coming. Give See, me this more. is what I find fascinating about you, actually, because like we were just talking before we started recording on the podcast and you were kind of saying like you don't like it when people go down and pretend they're injured and you'd rather actually Rightly make so. sure they're injured than than, than so. pretend it and kind of stuff. And it's like I've met you quite a few times off the pitch and like you are the one of the nicest people he's always smiling and he? he's always yeah. in a good mood but yeah and yet on the pitch on the pitch it's different of course yeah it's on the pitch we playing we playing for three points we training to win there's no draws in training so if you're against me good luck to you I would do anything to stop you from putting that ball in the back of the net and just on that if you speak to George out there during the match and you actually cross the line and you actually speak to him on the pitch you can see how focused he is and I've played with players I've played with a player in, in Norway who wrote poetry and then as soon as he I mean he was such calm and spoke as soon as he went over red card every other weekend every th- third week he was just so aggressive so I've got to say with, with George he just he was that focused on the, the job in hand the game what he had to do right that he went on and it, he was, he's one of them he's not He's even them in the game I, I, even, I was a nice player I'd talk to the ref, I'd have a chat with the, the, the centre-back. Yeah, he does. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Even to his I, own players, boom, it's focused, right? I don't get involved. If you've watched me, I don't get involved no, with the officials. None of that. None no, of that. None of that. Because once they've made a decision, are you going to change it? That's what I ask players. How much talking or shouting to the officials, maybe you may influence the next... That, well, that's the thing. You may influence the next decision. But sometimes I give them the look and they know that look. The <laughs> officials know that look. look. You don't want the look. You just gave me the look now and I need no, to change my trousers. You don't, you don't want that look. I'll give you the look and you know what time it is. But then when I go out there, I'm not saying I'm going out there to, to hurt people because I haven't done that. Yeah. When I go into challenges, I go in wholeheartedly, but it's fair. Well, um, we had Tony Daly on this podcast. <laughs> And uh, he told the story that um, it was in a warm-up and he obviously he was coach and he he skipped past you in yeah. the warm-up and you didn't take to that very kindly. That's so right. the next time he tried to do it, I think his words were, you put him 10 feet into the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 100%. That's the truth. Because you know why? After he'd done it the first time, he would not stop talking about it. <laughs> and just like on the football pitch, I thought, all right, you've had your you've had your you have you had your chance to you be You get one to be you successful. Get, you get yeah. one. It's all right. You may get two, but I can guarantee you the third one, you may go past, but then your body won't go past. <laughs> That's the truth. I'll just have to I'll just have to leave one on you and let you know what time it is. I think the following two times he did it, he was <laughs> you done exactly that, George. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was he was quite adamant that he wouldn't do it again. But yeah, you know, the thing is you say that and like I'm looking at your figures here and there's only one red card in your time at Wolves. You know, only twelve bookings in that time. So it's not like you know yeah, you like were, you weren't dirty. No, I'm not like like Chris said earlier on. I was a lad that goes out there and stays focused. Yeah, that's yeah. If if you could rely on someone to be focused out there, even when if even the times when I when I was on a on a yellow card earlier on in the game, obviously the gaffer Mick could trust me to leave me on the pitch because he knew I could manage myself right. 
I played with that as much as I play with heart. I play with that. You got, you got, you got use your brains as well. You don't just go out there. They're saying challenges when you're on a yellow card, you can't make. You got to stay off it. And that's just how it is. I wasn't a dirty player. I think the time I got sent off for Wolves was um, on a, on an area challenge. Don't cast it away, I think. Yeah. Um, where I've gone to, it was it was due to be excessive force. I used excessive force to head the ball, so I headed the player's head. So that's how I got sent off. And you know, so that that does happen. Can I ask you, George? You know, like uh, we know about how focused you were when you cross the line, and and how intense you were, because you are intense when you do. Yeah. Why? Why were you like that? Is it because you know this is my chance? I've got to make this position my own because it is competition yeah. and yeah. all these. And it's one of those things. It's like in training. I know whoever it was that you're, you're it's in your place that you are. Yeah. You are the character. You talk away to everyone. Yeah. You don't look at them and don't look at them as ah, that's my enemy. That's. Yeah. But when you get that chance, why? Why were you so focused? What was What was the reason for it? When I When I get that chance, this is a chance where, before coming on that page. It's something I practice all week. You, you visualize it. You I visualize visual, it. I, yeah, yeah, I visualize this being on that football pitch all week, mm-hmm. and especially when I know I'm going to be starting the game. Yeah, I visualize even more the night before. Yeah, before I go to bed, that's the last thing I think about the game. What about the information so, that so the like information? Says, all the information yeah. given to me by Mick, mm-hmm. I feel like all right, I've got enough information here, especially the information about the opposition players yeah. and everything about the team we play and how they play their playing style. So then, when I cross that page, I need to make sure I execute this information to the best of my ability and make sure I leave the gaffer with no no excuses for not playing me the next game. Yep. If I do that, I've done my job on the day. Do you think that was a key part for you in, in what you've achieved in your career, that you are your main focus is to get the best out of yourself no matter what? Yeah, no matter what. Like I always say to I say to the to the young the younger players now, the younger generation, what can you control? You can't control who picks the team. You can't control what you are not in control of. So control what you can control. Yeah. Be in control of what you can control. What can you control? as a professional footballer, your fitness, yeah. how you apply yourself on and off the pitch. So when I come into, into training every single day, I know I owe it to my teammates to apply myself right. I know I owe it to myself, more importantly, <laughs> to make sure I fulfill something with my day. I fulfill something out of the training session. And by doing that, when game time comes and I've got that opportunity to play, then I'm, t- I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even thinking I'm going to let the team down. I'm thinking, you know what? <laughs> this, is going to be, this is going to be a great day for me because I'm prepared. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready. It's not dis- being disrespectful to the opposition. In my head, I'm the best I can be. I'll ask you this then. So you've done everything right. You've prepared properly. Yeah. It doesn't go your way out there because it, it happens. It happens, doesn't it's it? Happen. Yeah. How do you take that? How because as a footballer, you we critique ourselves m- m- more than anyone else does. We yeah. are our own worst critics. So how do you deal with that? You've done everything right, yeah. as you said. You focused, not going right. you prepared. It's going to be a good day. It's not. It's, not it's just going one right. of those days. It doesn't. Boom. All right. How do you bounce back? It's not going. It's not going right on the pitch. I will know deep down that it's not going right for me as a player. 
I will know that. I'll be like, all right, it's not going right. But I need to finish the game strongly. If I do that, mm. I'll come off the pitch being disappointed. Once I get home, it's time to reflect about the game. So once I'm in the car, I start my reflection on my way home. I reflect. I replay this game on my head and see what, what I've done wrong. Maybe I could have I could have helped the team better in the same manner. Okay, I haven't done that right. The next opportunity I get. If there's something I need to ask the senior players, there's times I've, I've consulted him, there's times I've consulted Carl Henry on, on stuff that I'm not quite sure about. And I've had good feedback from them. There were times Carl Henry said to me, I can remember, he said, George, as soon as I get the ball as a midfielder, once I turn to my left, I don't want to look backwards. I want to look forward. So you should be in front of me to receive it. Yeah. And from when he said that, it's never left me. If I'm playing left back, I try to do that for the midfielder because I know I'm always ahead of play. You understand? Yeah. But like coming back to the, to the question, how do you bounce back? Me bouncing back is by going home, reassessing my performance, be very disappointed, criticize myself, look at myself first in the mirror yeah. before I want to criticize anybody else. I look at me first. Had I, have I done enough on the pitch to even warrant a play starting the following, the next game? And if the answer is, no, you haven't done enough, George, then I make sure once I get the DVD, because back then they weren't, you weren't getting videos, clips of, you know, your emails and stuff like yeah. that. Now we do. But once I get that DVD, I will replay that DVD about four times. Do you know what it means by pause, play, pause, rewind, pause? Yeah, I go through that. Yeah you know, to try and rectify where I've gone wrong. And then I can't wait for the next training session to try and put it right. See, it's that kind of intensity, I guess, is is a good word to describe it. It's the, the reason why I, I think, or part of the reason why I think you've become a cult hero to a lot of people because they've seen that that's a lot of what went into your play. Um, just before we wrap this up, I just want to go through some of the others because I say people keep, sending them in it's brilliant old gold club at wolves.co.uk also at wolves across social media um we want to keep giving these shout outs basically for these players that people have loved during their time uh sam martin said neil emblem i remember his debut for wolves being abysmal but he ended up being a, a sort of beloved talisman primarily because of his attitude and tenacity and quality on the pitch defo a fave of mine too he says richard lowe the one and only kenny hibbert who's been on the podcast with us Played with such a passion and gave his all for Wolves. No one has ever come close in my mind, a true professional in every way. Davy T says, John DeWolf, the name, the hair. He was Dutch, a lion heart. Also Mo Kamara. No one had any clue what he was going to do next. He was only 17% sure himself. Uh, <laughs> South Bank Resistance says, Ludo Pole, garnered from Gallic Granite. Wolves Ian, cult figure would have to be Derek Dugan. He was exactly that. Back in the 60s, star footballers were adored wherever they went. The Dug was one such figure and he had the charisma to go with it. Now, I don't know whether he counts as a cult hero, 
the dude because he was a hero in himself anyway. Um, Sean says, Alex Ray, nasty edge with a goal in him, mainly for his jig when we beat Reading in the playoff semi-final. Bill State said, Jeff Palmer, when he tackled you, you stayed tackled, which I love it. You could probably say that about George Anacobi as well. And um, and a man that you two will know really well as well, actually, and probably doesn't get as much credit with a certain portion of fans he deserves, is Joel Stobbs said Dave Edwards gave 100% always, and obviously that goal against Leeds was brilliant, which is something we've talked about on the podcast yeah. before, yeah. the famous 4-3 game over the Easter Monday. You know Edo, you both know yeah. Edo, you both played with him. I mean... Top lad, what a guy! What a guy! What Top an lad. effort that he always put in. Yeah, just a he's a proper professional, uh, and a proper gentleman as well. You know, very humble and everything that he does, but worked very hard. He put the hours in, you know, and you could see that he was learning the game. He loved everything about football, and he was just improving. The goals, he always got himself into those positions. He always arrived into the box at the right time, and you know what? That's not luck. That's because he's he worked he worked his he worked his socks off. Uh, before in, tra- in training, asking the coaches to help him after training, getting the players in because he just wanted to improve all the time. He learned so much, and I guess he'll look at the likes that he came out. I've seen a few comments that he said that, uh, about Carl Henry, you know, and you learn, like George said there, we learn from each other all the time. I'm learning from George when I'm coming in at, at Colchester and he's a young boy, just the way that he, he goes about business. Yeah. You're learning all the time, you have to, you're never the finished article. Even when you're retired and you've, you've had your 20 year career, you're not the finished article, you're still learning. The best, the best in the world are. But Edo was one of those, he put the hours in, he deserves everything that he got from the game. And, and, and adding, adding on to that on, on, on Dave Edwards, you could see that's why, you know, obviously Mick and Terry Connor loved him so much and all the other managers he's played under when, when he was playing here for, for, for Wolves loved him because they could see they could see they could see a true professional mm-hmm. and he carried on all the way to the Welsh um, national team so it was great to see what he's achieved with them as well but at the same time he put in the hours in he did work extremely hard he learned from senior senior professionals around him but he was one of the last ones to, to, to leave and one of the first ones out there. So when it came came to to March days, like we said earlier on, you know, he finds himself in goal scoring position. So you're asking yourself, wow, like he's just he's just there, fox in the box, mm-hmm. like they say. Always poaching, always poaching. <clears throat> when you're thinking, where is that goal gonna come from? He pops up with a goal. And it's just testament to if you do put the hours in. It will show. It will show. You show on the football pitch on the match day. And he does listen to this podcast and he will have hated <laughs> the last couple of minutes as well. So there you go. Hello, Edo, by the way. And to Jackie Oatley, who listens to this podcast as well, and to everybody who listens to the podcast too. Um, you can uh, send us your emails of anything you want to talk about or keep your cult hero nominations coming forwards and people you want us to try and get onto the programme, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk. We are at Wolves across social media. And don't forget to give a follow to our sponsors who are at WV Build Supply. The show is coming next. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. 
So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk Then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me, Chris Awellamo. And our guest this week spent six years at Molyneux, making 105 appearances, scoring four goals, possibly five, we'll get to that, winning two promotions and a whole lot of hearts. He's the man who had a catchy song and who Mick McCarthy liked to refer to as his body double. It can be the one and only George Kobe. Thank Welcome to the much, Old Gold you. Club. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been brilliant. I mean, we've already done quite a bit for our podcast, by the way, and it's been fascinating talking. And the, <clears throat> all the things that kind of made fans love you have been coming out already. That intensity, that fire that's in there. That was. I mean, you were in the dressing room with him. How bit, was he as big a character as we all thought he was? No, he was, <clears throat> and uh, and everyone knew it. I remember uh, one of the games, you were, you were injured, George, and yeah. uh, Mick McCarthy asked you to take the team top before the match. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I remember that. And uh, I'm trying to remember what the game... You know, you, Doncaster. There you go. Yeah. And uh, you've came in. Oh, that was before the Christmas due as well, wasn't it? I'm thinking no, Doncaster. Think no, it was the last, last, game of the, last game of the season. He's came in and uh, he's gave the, the team talk. And you know what? <laughs> That's the old every all the players they loved him they listened to him, uh, and he is he's so passionate. But again, that intensity he gave you the look, he, the, yeah. the demands on you. But we put the, those demands on ourselves. It's about the well, group as 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 a the as a collective was was excellent. Bearing in mind that we are on Facebook and YouTube, right? Can you tell us some of the stuff that you would have said at the time? Um. Well, I'll, I'll add on to what Chris has just said. Um, you know, going out there, going out there every single day, going out to, to train with, with Chris and the, the rest of the lads, which was a great bunch. I knew what was expected of us. You know, there's pressure, which is good pressure. And the truth is, if someone wasn't doing it right, I'll pull them, I'll tell them how, we, how, how it, should be, it should be told in the right way to up their game. Because we ain't here to play any games. We was here to get results. And there wasn't any time to, to mess around. Not that any of the boys took it for granted. But, you know, if things weren't quite right. Which, it's happened a few times where I've, you know, popped up in front of, you know, some cars, some big characters and, you know, pulled them to one side. And we've had words. <laughs> it was accepted back then. I don't know if it's accepted now. <laughs> but then, yeah, we've had words. And I've told them, listen, you don't come here and think... You know, you're gonna come here and just be a passerby. You're a passenger of this golden palace, so <clears throat> you best make sure you, you best make sure you you turn up every single day and give hundred percent for this football club. But yeah, um, going back now to what the team talk. Um, yeah, yeah Mick, Mick did ask if anyone wanted to take take the team talk on the on the day, and I thought no one wanted wanted it anyways because didn't want to be the gaffer on the day and for the. Uh, all the time to to get my to get all the time to get myself into the dark side like this like they say um, when I say yeah I wanted to do it and um, honestly you know I've got great respect for the boys and I just when it was time for me to to deliver the team talk I said something in between the lines of you know I know we've just I think it was the very last game of the season and we've just won 
we've been in QPR the, the week before, but we've not been crowned champions yet. Yeah. So there was still championship title to be to be played out there. And I said to the boys, listen, I know everyone, the fans are partying because we've gotten promoted into into the premiership and it's amazing to have them being in the party mode but there's no time for partying now it's time for us to go out there and finish the job because there's still three points to be played for and um having said that and i said but most importantly the boys need to look after themselves because doncaster had nothing to play for at the time no disrespect to them but we got something to play for and it wasn't going to be good going into the game or after the game one or two of us is injured long term and these boys they've all worked the boys have all worked extremely hard throughout the season to make sure they get this fantastic football club into the Premier League and we want to see any lad missing 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 the start of the the coming season by by being injured and I just said we need to do it properly we do it the worst way like we've done throughout the season and make sure we get the three points and then after we get the three points it's time to party. So that's some of the lines were well said. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, we, we spoke about when I first met you when, I, when we, we played at Colchester together for a couple of years. Uh, now Wolves come in for you. Now it's a completely different club from Colchester. Yeah. You were in out the team at Colchester, but you, yep. you, you knew there was potential there. Everyone's seen exactly what you're about. Yeah. For me, I, I applaud you for coming to Wolves. Because then you believe in yourself, you know yeah. what you're about, but it's a big decision. Because for any football, the most important thing is to play. Yeah. So you're thinking there, and you come in. It's 15 appearances in the in the first season here. So yeah. what what's going through your head when Wolves come in? Of course, you're thinking great club, great history. What's yeah. actually going through your head when when there's interest? Um, if I'm being totally honest, I didn't know if there was 100 percent interest in me, and. Um, the day when I found out that there was interest, we've traveled to Barnsley away and I was the only one that did not get on the bench. So I was sat with the Colchester fans and we got, I remember we got back home um, at about 3, 4 a.m. in the morning because it was 7.45 p.m. Mm. kickoff. And we, Colchester had a reserve game at Chelsea's training ground the following day at 12 p.m. kickoff. And I asked to play in that game because I hadn't played. So I traveled to, to the training ground at Chelsea, played 90 minutes there. And then finally, after the game, I looked at, looked at my phone and I've seen a message come through from, from, from my agent saying there's discussions going on, concrete discussions going on between Wolves and Colchester. That's when I started thinking more about it. Coming now to the question you've just asked me, what was going through my mind? There was only one thing I saw improving my career improving myself as a player I know the history of then I didn't know the history of Wolves but from an outside perspective I knew Wolves was a massive massive club mm. under the the, the, the the leadership of Mick McCarthy the gaffer at the time you know and I was like there was only one place for me no disrespect to Colchester at the time I just needed to come to Wolves to improve no disrespect to the players at Colchester, I just thought I had a better chance of improving as a player at Wolves or with Wolves. I'd done everything I needed to do with Colchester at the time and I thought, all right, a change here 
might give me a better opportunity to make that decision. It wasn't the easiest decision ever. It was, it was very hard for me. And I thought about it. I, I, I asked myself a million questions. What if I make this move and I'm not up to the wool standards? But again, you know, I've never been shy of hard work before. I, I knew this was, was going to be very hard for me. Because you, you didn't have it easy. I mean, Looms was talking to me the other day about the fact, you know, people forget that it was, what, four games into the promotion season? Ipswich away, wasn't it? Yeah, Ipswich away. And yeah. you suffer a very serious injury and you have yeah. to sit out for an awful long time. Yeah. And, and mentally, because you've been through this, that must yeah. have been really hard. It was tough. It was tough because I had one of the best pre-seasons ever I've had in my entire career going into the season. Started very well. I started well. very well as well that season. And for that to happen at Ipswich, I thought I knew straight away that this was going to be a long-term injury because of how it happened, the pain I felt, and everything after that. And then obviously the MRI scan and everything proved, proved that. But these are the darkest days of a footballer's career when something like that happened. Because you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, I want to be part of the special moments here because I knew we was going to do something special that season. 100%. I knew it. How did you then? Because, because of the healthy competition we had <coughs> in the squad and the additions we've had. We just, you know, signed, signed the big man, um, Chris. We just signed him. And with the other additions we've had within the squad, I'd actually played with them half a season yeah. having signed from Colchester to, to Wolves so I knew what the potentials were I knew we was going to go places and I, I, I was fine to be part of that and there was no stopping me so when that injury happened I always say this I've got this it's my term I use it a positive code so I code my, my body I code my mind I code my, my myself with positivity. So when once I do that, whatever it don't matter whatever happens on the on the outside, it's not touching me on the inside. I'm focused. I stay focused. I'm making sure there's only one outcome positive in the end. Because in that season, obviously you picked up Looms a, a pretty serious injury as well, and you have to go into a, a treatment room that's probably dominated by him wasn't it <laughs> I think he dominates every situation doesn't he but uh, it's, it's quite interesting that he says that because you know that when someone does go through an injury even then okay it was coming towards the end of that season Mikey when I when I well, dislocated my knee and that, that was my season done and then I broke my foot the next in the summer hmm. a few few months later uh, I, I find that difficult and I'm surprised that he, he said you know what this because you wouldn't have known that George was going through a never. difficult time. He was never negative. He was coming in, and you're thinking, "God, this this guy's out for a long time, and he's he's chucky." Yeah. It killed me every day coming in, and you chat with the boys. You'd come in early. You you get your physio, your treatment, and then you go into the gym, and, and you're, you're watching them, and you're watching them all you're come out. Watching them all come you're, out. You're, you're coming Jovia. out with their, their boots on, and you're they're, they're chatting, and, there's a, and they start passing they're, they're, bantering, they're having a little bit everything. of bantering. It's, there's nothing like missed. it. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like walking into a group of whatever, 25 to 30 
pros in a in a room and the banter that goes on, there is no there is no replacement for that. And even though I'm still part of that dressing room, and you go into the, you're not. It's the same as as a striker when you win a game, you've not scored. You don't have, feel. That's have not you, the same. Happiness. Have you really done your little bit? Can you enjoy the win the same as the the other striker that scored? No, you don't. It's because it's it's great for the team, but you've not done your little bit. So those little things, and I'm I'm surprised. Yeah. I think that's that shows you the strength of 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 the of the beast right I'm, in front I'm, of us I'm, now. I'm, that 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 code. And I'm le- I'm gonna add something onto that. You know, when I suffered that injury, yeah, I asked for the DVD. Do you know how many times I've replayed that particular bit? Just when I suffered the injury, I've played it over a thousand times. Right, you yeah. Why though? Draw, Why would you want strength, to watch that back? I draw strength off it. I feed off it. It's remarkable, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I feed off it. To tell to tell myself, I'll come back from this. I will come back because it's not just you didn't just have to do that once in your career. You had to do that twice. Twice, and I remember exactly you saying that I'd done that twice. Yes, when I broke my leg, Chris, when he came in and found out, oh, when I no when I came back from my operation from Bristol, haven't had the operation, a successful operation. When I came back in, when the physios asked me to start coming back in to start doing a bit of rehabilitation work on the on the ankle. He, I remember, he Chris actually asked me this question. He told me this. He said, "George, if that's me, I'm done." He said, "Big man, I don't know how you do it every day." And I'll be at, and I said to him, "Big man, I'll be back stronger than ever. I will be back stronger than ever." And I will carry on playing. And I will make sure I become a winner. And I did. Unstoppable. You know, and that's, I think that's why he went on. That's why he, he wasn't just loved by, by the fans, you know, everywhere. The staff around the place, because the way that he, he went about his, 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 his everyday life. You know, and you 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 went on, and you you like you say you made some fantastic appearances for the club, as Mikey said. Yeah. Scored some goals, some that he's gonna question, probably try and get a little reaction. No, no, sure no, 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 no. In fact, like, okay, oh, let, listen, let's deal with let's it. Let's not even get there. Let's no, no. Let's deal because with it. You're gonna get me sweating. Let's deal. <laughs> let's deal with George it. Just giving the look. Yeah. So yeah, let's not get there. Let Manchester United. Yes. This is what everyone wants to know because yes, this is the controversy right now. Yeah. So you actually had a tremendous record against Manchester United you scored I think it was Old Trafford wasn't yeah, it in I the league it, I call it my hat trick yes no hat tricks are meant to be scored in one game but I scored them in, <laughs> I scored a hat trick I scored a hat trick in two it's alright so it's Manchester United at Molyneux uh, Nani scored Nani, Nani scored didn't he yes put, that's right put them in front and then you rise highest in the box to get Wolves level That's and right. then there is a free kick I think from the right hand side yes and it's you and Kevin Doyle no it was me <laughs> well you you take over the story so in comes yeah. the ball right there was a free kick on the right hand side as you just said I took my position from where I normally attack balls from you know there's this instinct every player has got an instinct where they think the, more, the ball may land or the ball may be coming into and I picked a spot. And I can remember Kevin Doyle was standing next to me. And I'm thinking, 
toilet, you need to find a space for yourself, literally. Because I got this space. I'm big enough, so I don't need another <laughs> little fellow next to me, right? And it was a great bar thing from, from Elijah's, Nenat. And I've gone, made my move, and got ahead to it. But as soon as I'm getting in contact with this ball, who do I see next to me? It was like he was a defender, Kevin Doyle. And I could see the ball coming off my shoulder because I've gone <coughs> like this to head it and it's come off my shoulder. You can see the size of my shoulder, can you? <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's massive. It's come off my shoulder into the net. And I'm off celebrating. Doyle is off celebrating. I knew 100% I had the last touch in it. I don't know what, what you... Have you got a video? Or do well, we want... Can we bring... Can we bring... Can we bring VAR? And let's, let's have it. I mean, we need to, because this has to be said to one way or the other. We will try and ask, I think we can try and ask the Premier League to see if we've still got the footage. They will have the footage. This. Come on. Because I've, I've seen a video that a fan took right. from the South Bank. And it's, yeah. it's difficult because, I mean, mobile phones, even at that time, yeah. like, weren't amazing as they are now. True. But it, it does look like it's your goal. But <laughs> in the post-match interview... Just say it's my goal and, and well, the, the debate is over. Well, look, look, I'm I'm perfectly willing to give you the goal. Yeah. But um, in the post-match interview, you actually conceded it and gave it no, to Doyle. Obviously, because the goal has been given to him. And I said, fair enough, there wasn't any video um, analysis to, to analyse who, who, who had the, the, the last touch of the goal. Bearing in mind, Doyle had been struggling for goals at the time. So I thought, you know what? If he's claiming that it's his goal... I didn't really care at that, at that moment in time. What I cared at that particular moment was the three points. This football club had three points in the back. And we just ended United on beating 29, on beating run 29 games, on beating run in all competition. The little wolves. The question is, yeah. uh, <clears throat> as a defender, he doesn't have no bonus. Doyle had a bonus. Did you get a little slice of that bonus, George? No, never did. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, there's a big question there to ask well, Kevin, yeah. isn't there? Because well, yeah. he, he did say at the time, George See? says in that post-match interview, he's like, I got my goal, you're a striker, I'm think, happy to give it to you. Think, As if you strikers are so you know, temperamental, you needed the help. Now, we spoke to we, we spoke to Jack Price about his position and he never really thought that scoring goals was part of his game. Now, as a defender and as a striker, I think goals should come from all over. Yeah, the pitch in every position now is that something that you seen as part of your game is that something you thought right I'm going to work on this work on that now I know that you go and you attack the ball better than, yeah. than, 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 than most in the game but it's not really your, your, your forte is it? No because I'm thinking as a defender my job is to keep clean sheets I think of, that, I think of defending first keep a clean sheet whatever comes after that is a bonus when I started at this football club you was with me at Colchester how many assists I'd, I'd probably gave you from, no, you know, know? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like going off. That's why we're so I close, George. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't the, I wasn't the biggest. But let me tell you this now: I was the bravest. I wasn't the biggest, but I was the bravest. So if I'm going up, I know in my head, I'm going up to score a goal. Yeah. I'm going up yeah. to contribute to to us scoring a goal. So going up when I started at Wolves, Mick didn't like me going up. And then I was like, one game I just went, nah, Gaffer, I'm going up. I'm going to go up. I was like, I'm one of the best 
attacking players you've got here in terms of like run timing everything i was one of the best and i knew that within me and i know if i go up i don't care who i'm against if that ball comes into my area okay i'm getting i'm getting i'm getting so myself a goal we 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 got to move on because we're going to run out of time but um we're going to settle this then yeah so i want you to look at camera two yeah and imagine that's kevin doyle and you tell kevin doyle that's your goal kevin doyle wherever you may be watching from you know deep down i got the last touch to that goal it's my goal so now i got two goals and they, they, I, I can guarantee you they're going to take that goal off you. We need, we need, we need VAR. So I'm claiming the goal. It's mine. There. Settled. We're that, done. It's good enough right, for me. We can put it to bed. Um, <clears throat> uh, there's loads of stuff. And we're going to talk loads more on the podcast extra, by the way, of stuff that we want to talk about. One of the things that I wanted to really get into um, while we're on the Facebook show is your relationship with Mick and with the fans because it's a real kind of love story in more ways than one like press conferences wise there's the famous one after the blackburn game when you interrupt mick's press conference that's right mick always used to say that you were his body double yeah what was it like between the two of you well it was a father-son relationship i'll tell you that now um from the very first day i walked through the door at compton when I shook Mick's hand, I knew I, I had a guidance. I knew I had someone I could look up to, someone I could confine to. I knew he was someone I respected. And he was someone I would die for on that football pitch. Being it in training or in games. And he saw, he saw in me how I wanted to improve. Him and Terry Connor saw that. The coaching staff, the boys all saw that. I was desperate to improve myself. There were things I knew I wasn't great at, you know, but I, I improved in those, in those areas. I would love to think so. And he was there to make sure I improved. And it was just me being me. Even when I wasn't in his starting 11, he knew he could count on me to, to do things right. And I did. Because he knew there was, a, there was a guy or there was a kid he can trust to go out there and train without anyone watching and train and train hard yeah was it hard was that hard I'm just saying if you're not in his starting 11 the relationship you've got no 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 obviously fathers and son do do disagree from time to time there were times I knocked on his office I knew his office I knew where he was and I knew he would talk to me we spoke we spoke like adults and there were times I went in and said Gaffer I think I, I deserve to be playing in your team I think I deserve to be to be playing and helping this football club. Mm-hmm. He may disagree. There are times he disagreed. But I told him, all right, that's fine, Gaffer. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm going to change your decision by working even harder out there. And I left his office just like that. And the next day, I'm at it again in training every single day. So, so what about the relationship with the fans? Because there are a lot of people who contacted us to say, you know, they have stories of... Away games, like you would be going along the away stand, yeah, shaking hands with fans and engaging with them on a on a completely different level. Yeah, because I like I like to think, look, at, I always look at myself as a normal normal person. Take away 
me playing football for a great <coughs> club like Wolverhampton Wanderers Football um Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club. Um I know where the fans are coming from. You've played you've played you've played at bigger stadiums, you've you've been close to fans and shaking the fans' hand, that's the satisfaction I'm giving them for paying vast amount of money to, to travel XYZ to come and watch us, to support us through the good, through the bad. They stick with us. So that's my way of paying them back. To say, listen. I don't care if we've won. I don't care if we've. I'm not. And I, I don't do it when just only when we've we've won a game. I do it when we've drawn a game, and I do it when we've lost. There are times I've gone to shake people's hands, and I've got the you know the rejection. It's all right. You can reject me. You're not going to please every single single person. But then I'm showing the fans that I value your support. I think what George is saying is that we're all human. I think no matter. What it is we do is a profession and going out there, we don't see ourselves as any different. You know, there's never once when someone's put there and you don't sign an autograph or you don't shake the hand or George just took it to another level. George went out his way to to find that and, and show that he appreciates the, the support Everyone. that he's getting in that. You know, that's that that again, testament to the character that he is. You mentioned though that sometimes you got rejected. Because <coughs> yeah. it it we've got to be honest. It wasn't always great times, especially no. towards the end of, of your period. You actually yeah. chose to stay when a lot of people left after the double relegation. That's you right. gave it one more year. Yeah. Why was that? And in my opinion, why was that? Because I thought these fans have given so much for this football club. You know, everyone left for their own reasons. You know, I can't, I can't tell you why they left or what happened behind the scenes because I don't I don't know it you know but looking at where we came from the fans came from premiership championship so far the terrible season the championship in that championship season I didn't play for this great club I tried to you know I tried to but it was out of my hands mm -hmm. we had a manager that didn't really fancy me and I knew that and there was only one option. I needed to play football games. So I asked to go out on loan. Unfortunately, I went out. I broke my leg. All right. I worked extremely hard. I saw the pain these fans were going through. Sitting and watching from the sideline, recovering from the injury I had. And in the end, we got relegated. That's why at Brighton, at the Amex Stadium, when I gave my shirt away, it all done onto me that we're heading into League One. But then I decided, you know what? I could have left because I knew there will be additions. I knew there might be, you know, new management coming in. I've just been out with a serious injury. So what are my chances of playing more at this football club? And I decided, I made a decision and said, listen, if the club wants me to stay, I'm staying 100%. And I'm going to be part of the team that takes them back where they belong, into the championship. And then I'll leave after that. So that's my decision and that's why I stayed. So you, you said there about, uh, obviously, relationships and a new start and a new manager coming in staff and very much that's what happened. So yeah. how was that relationship with Kenny Jacket? Because again... Yeah, he's an old school manager. Yeah, 
you tick all the boxes. That's right. You only made nine appearances under him. Definitely. What's what? How how, how what, what's going on there? How's that? How difficult is that? Because right, it was very difficult because I had a, I had um I had a conversation with Kenny Jacket the very first day or second day of preseason, and he asked me honestly, George, where do you want to play? Where do you see yourself playing? What position? And I said, Gaffer, I want to play a centre back, a left side centre back. He said, you don't fancy playing a left back? I said, no, I've just come back from a serious, you know, ankle injury. I don't think I'll give you the way you want to play. I don't think I'll give you at this moment in time, I'll give you what the up and down. Yeah. I need to get my body right again, give myself a chance, then I can think of left back. But I, I was like, my preferred position now is a left side centre back. And in order to that, well, when the season started, obviously I knew, he said to me, listen, we, we're going to look after you. We're going to manage you right. That was, that was the conversation. You will be managed right by us because we know how big your injury was. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I respect that gaffer. And then when the season started, obviously, Wolverhampton, you know, we had great additions to the squad. And the boys, credit to the boys, because they were on fire. I'll tell you this now. They were keeping clean sheets after clean sheets. It was difficult. And then the times when I had the chance to to play, I wasn't at my best. And he heard me to say I wasn't at my best because I, I wasn't playing regular. I tried to play in every single buying closed door or reserve game that was available. I asked to play. Even the ones that Kenny Jacket and his coaching staff said, don't play. I played in. I played in. And I wasn't quite getting the appearances, but credit to the boys that were playing because they were keeping the clean sheets and I was on the bench. But there was one thing that never changed my mindset of what I wanted to achieve with the football club. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see this football club promoted. So every day I worked hard and pushed them, the boys that were playing, and pushed them to make sure if the slip up I was in, I was playing. So but that's how you bring success in and around the football club. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. Uh, on with the podcast. Um, really interesting hearing you talking about the League One season then. Do you feel as if that you were kind of... Um, you accepted that you weren't necessarily there to play. You were there to help that group of players get the team, get the club, get the fans back to where they needed to be? No, I wouldn't say I accepted not playing. I was there to play. But I said, the boys that had the opportunity to start the season started on fire. And sometimes you got to put your hand up and say, you know what? It's hard for footballers to admit it. But I'm one of the rare ones that will tell you the truth. And I'll tell you the truth and I'll move on. The players that started the season were at their very best and they maintained that throughout the season. So that meant limited opportunities for myself. So I knew what my role was. If I'm not playing, I know I was one of the experienced ones then left at, at the football club. So what was my role to the players that some we had some new players, some new additions to the squad. And I had to to guide these players through when they needed my help because they went there were times when, you know, they weren't at their, at their best, but because they've been playing so well, 
gave them the chance to to get one extra game in but my job was to help these players stay focused and make sure their feet were, were, were firm on the ground they didn't get carried away can I ask you then so as that as that season's going on and as professional as you are yeah uh, as difficult as it is yeah. not playing when did you actually start to think my time's up here um, when did I start to think my time was up here um, I think just just before Christmas and I'm sitting there thinking alright I haven't played you know I assess you have to assess as a, as a professional footballer you have to assess how your season the first part of the season is gone what are your contribution contributions to, to the football club especially on the pitch because that's what that's your daily bread you want to play games and I did assess myself and I thought hmm I've not really played much here. But again, I was thinking, am I going to be one of the captains of the ship? As selfish as I wanted to be, am I going to be the captain of the ship that, you know, leave the ship halfway without getting to its destination? And when I think about it now, maybe, me being honest, I paid the price for it in the summer because I hadn't played as much as I'd love to being loyal to this great football club because when teams ask how many games did you play or was he involved last season they look at the stats before they want to sign you so maybe that suffered a bit I paid the price for that but it was a price worth paying for because of the loyalty this very football club he showed me when I was on my bended knees can so, I can I ask you? Yeah. I think it's a really important thing because you have a unique position in that you were there on the the rise up. Yeah. You were also there on the rise down and then yep. the rise yeah. back up again. What went wrong? What didn't happen on right. the way down that had happened on those two rises up? What didn't happen on the way down? Yeah. Why, why did it happen? Why did the double relegation happen, do you think? Okay. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to put, put a hand to it. I would say, you know, we, we had... We got relegated from the premiership. Obviously, bringing um, so back and in, he had his own philosophies. He's never managed in, in the in the English league before, which is a risk. It's a gamble. Sometimes you pay off, sometimes it won't pay off. So Sobakin came in, he had his own ideas on how to do things. And in my opinion, this is my opinion, in my opinion, didn't suit the championship at the time. That, this is my honest opinion. Not only the championship, did it suit the group of players? And it didn't suit the group of players that we had. He's brought in, he brought in a couple of players... And these players hadn't played in the championship before. As good as this, these players were, the likes of um, Sako, the likes of Razak Bukhari, the likes of um, Bjorn Sigunsin, the likes of um, Peshko, he brought in a couple. But they hadn't played, they, had, they hadn't tested themselves in the championship before. So sometimes it could be a good thing for the football club, but sometimes with a group of you got to assess a group of players you've got and see if that style is going to suit this group of players. And it didn't suit us one bit. 
Do you think, though, I mean, listen, it's Tottenham Solbach and probably never going to come on this programme. I'd love it if he did. Um, and, you know, Carl has been on and had his say on it. And, you know, we've we've had a fairly frank discussion on it and stuff as yeah. well. I'm interested, though, in your view, because of what you've said about, you know, what the dressing room was like when you first arrived. Yeah. Um, if you hadn't been injured and if you'd have been involved, yeah. do you think it would have got to the stage it got to? Um, I don't think you can. I can. I can say. I can honestly, honestly sit down here and say I would have made a difference because one player doesn't make make a difference in a football team. You understand? But then again, I can. I, I can tell you that I don't know. If I was playing, could there have been any different? Just like I'll give you the stats. The first season in the Premiership, I played a couple of games or so played about 65% of the games we stayed up by what by 38 points second season I played more I would love to think I played more than 80% of the games that season we stayed up by 40 points third season I didn't play out as much I did not play as much and what happened we got we got relegated by with what 25 points so my take here is might be I bring something to the group that is different. I may not be the most skilled player, and I've said that over and over. I'll, I'll sit down here and tell you I'm not the most skilled defender. I will not give you that up and down, up and down, like the likes of Ashley Coders, Marcelo, or the, the new generational left backs who do. But what I'll do for you in defense, I'll give you solidity. I pride myself on defending. I live and die by my defence. See, I think the, the second the second season in, in the Premier League, uh, they always say it's the most difficult. It's, I don't I think it's any surprise that Jaws probably played 80% plus games and, and they mm. stayed up. I think that third season comes and the staff all come together and they think, like, what, what can we do so that we are... OK, it's great that we stayed up, 38 points or whatever it was, fantastic. But what can we do so we're not down there and we're mm. not and you can you can you can change things too much you know Mick was very loyal yeah to the group that got him up he added a little bit of quality which he needed a little bit of depth yeah he knows the qualities of these players but again there's expectation there's pressure you stay up that second season you don't want to be down there yeah Wolves are always going to be one of those teams they're going to be one of the favourites to, to get relegated, mm. no matter the, the size of the club. So as a staff, as a, you have to then think, I need to try and do something different and it might work and it might not. In the third season, it, it wasn't working. It wasn't. But you have to try something. You can't just basically keep things the same and yeah. just be happy with it, 38 points staying up. Yeah, no, listen, I think a lot of people will take that on board. I, I guess the point I was making was almost that... Um, you know, we know that there were issues that went on. We know there are yep. going to be multiple yeah. reasons for why Wolves ended up having the two relegations that they did. It's just from a fan's point of view, when you look at it, and I was struck by how well you've spoken about the importance of having those characters in the dressing room and leaders and people that challenge each other and yeah. whether just maybe that wasn't there in that time you know you were injured you're not in that dressing room at the time whether the squad had changed so much that it didn't have that same vibe and whether when you got to the league one mm -hmm. yeah. and people like Sam Ricketts and others came in whether that 
feeling returned. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, when midway through the, the championship season when we got relegated, I think we all thought, or sometimes as players, you keep thinking, oh, there's enough games to make it right. Oh, we are, we are overhunting Wanderers. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. We'll win this game. We'll win this game. And then eventually you run out of games. Because there were times we had one or two meetings and we had to like tell ourselves we need to up our games. Like people need to pull themselves together and people need to, you know, if you, in the little things that we're not saying that the players that we're playing we're not doing, but just in case they were being a bit sloppy away from, from the training ground, just make sure you get your acts together, look after yourself, like, you know, your fluids in and all of that because it goes a long way because mm. there's so many games. So, you know, but that didn't help. By the time realization kicked in, it was too late. We couldn't save the football club. And then obviously in the summer, there was a lot of changes going into, um, like you said, Sam Rikers came in, experienced pro, top, top guy, um, you know, led the football club there was changes you know new leaders coming new um, new players and then some of the, the the players decided to stay like the likes of um Sako stayed stayed to to help help the football club get back to his to his um not saying the championship is not where it should be but help get back back on the road get, to yeah, where back you on want the road to, to where we wanted to be yeah and it was great to see that and i think Kenny Jacket having Kenny Jacket being the leader of this, you know, of this squad was was vital because he he was like you said earlier on, Chris. He was old school. He wanted things done a certain way, and then if you're not doing it the right way, he was told. And you know, training was quite intense, and everything was done properly. And all of a sudden, you could see things start clicking again. You know, there was this feel good factor again about the place. And it was great to see that in the end we achieve achieve what we achieved in getting promoted. Um, we're going to finish with our little thing we call the rundown. So it's a chance for you to let loose on your former teammates, starting off with maybe one of the toughest ones in there. Who was the best player that you played with at Wolves? I'll say the best player I played with at Wolves was my Jarvis. Okay, that's all because he's going to see him in a minute. He wants no, to leave it alone. No, it, he? Was, it was my Jarvis. You know why? Jarvis played out of his skin, and I saw Jarvis work extremely hard. Not like the other boys didn't work extremely hard to to worry in their place, but to be to be playing for Wolves at the time and getting a call up from 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 the national team, you must be doing. You must be doing. You must be doing something special. Which he was doing something special, and you could you could see, Javo grew into, from grew from the player that they signed from Gillingham, into a man, and on the pitch you could see that Javo was one of the leaders on the football pitch, and it was great to see him have that um, that call up. It was it was so satisfying and a top 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 guy as well. So yeah, I'll say I'll say Javo quality. Right, worst trainer at the club, the worst trainer at the club. <clears throat> Worst trainer at the club at my time at Wolves. Yes. Uh, there's some big characters here, you know. 
This is called the rundown, George. Rundown. We're on the clock here. Come on. Oh, chop, chop. Worst train out of the club. <sighs> Kevin McDonald's got to be up there. No, 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 no. He's one of the better ones. Worst train out of the club. Jay Buffright. When he didn't fancy it, you can't get him to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big Jay Buffright. Quality player, don't get me wrong. Got on the day. Yeah. Don't but, mind that. Don't mind that. But both couldn't be sometimes. I'm just called yeah. glad Manny never got put in. <laughs> um, who was the biggest moaner? Biggest moaner, Kai Henry. Yeah. Uh, who was your, who's your best friend in football? Oh, sorry. Best Ad, friend. Yeah. Adeline Gijera. Okay. Um, who had the best and who had the worst dress sense? Um, the worst dress sense was um, Stephen Hunt. Um, the best. The best dress sense was... Bakary Sacco. Okay. Oh, he doesn't agree. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Oh, he was yeah, very the blinks. The blinks, the blinks. The eyes were big, the eyebrows were up. Yeah, the okay. blinks, the blinks, yeah. Uh, bling, yeah. yeah. Who was Definitely. the funniest player you played with at Wolves? The funniest player, Neil, Neil Collins. Yeah, he's, he's definitely up there. Um, who was the best manager you worked for? Mick McCarthy. Uh, what was the best goal you scored? Come on, there's only one best goal. The one against United. You know, the first one, the header. The, the only one. The one of no, three, the, yeah? The one of three. Because Kevin Doyle stole your yeah, goal. Yeah, the one of three. Yeah. Yeah, so the the, the first one at, at the Molina. Yeah. Kevin Doyle stole your goal. Yeah. I still love it. Um, what was the best game you were involved in? Um, the game against Manchester United. Yeah, at home. Right. What was your proudest moment at Wolves? My proudest moment at Wolves was winning you know coming back coming back from from the long-term injury and lifting the trophy with the boys that have worked extremely hard throughout the season to get the club back into the premiership and the final one and an additional one to what we would normally do the one that everybody wants to know were you banned from working out in the gym 100 percent, yes (laughs) (laughs) for being too big and too strong by Tony Daly. Um, after conducting some tests, they realized I've got cells in my body that grew overnight from lifting weights. So I could, I've got the potential to get bigger if I want to. Within the space of a month, I can get as big as I want to. So it was time for him to stop me, ban me. I think I got, I got the ban for, for half of the season, literally. <laughs> I was I was not even allowed to do press ups. What? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't allowed to do chin ups. I wasn't allowed to do sit ups. That's just nothing. the old. That's his competitive streak. He just wanted to have the best body. Yeah, he wanted club, to have it? the best body. Sick at the club. Everybody who watched you play wouldn't like if you just said to me that you hadn't done any kind of you know you know, you know what I mean by physical work like yeah, gym yeah, work. You wouldn't believe like it. Six months. Yeah. Oh, you believe? Would you believe it now that I'm talking to you? I don't do it. No, no. I, I mean, I've seen you. Loom's made you get down and plank on the floor, right. which we've done a video of. And, I love, put and I love, and I love that because I'm ready. I was born ready. George played on the words though. You're not allowed to do the gym. So then he goes to gets himself at the, at the on the playing field and starts taking YouTube videos doing uh, workout sessions. Yeah, George, yeah, could be workout sessions. That's because George. Yeah, but that's because I wasn't allowed in the gym. <laughs> I was banned and I had no money to to register myself in the gym. So I took myself to a local park. I tried to work out. What does that say? I love it. 
love it. I've loved talking to you as well. There's loads more we could have gone into. We just don't have time. Oh, we can't go all day long. Mate, I'm going to get you back on this program at some <laughs> there's point. Plen- we could keep going. There's, there's plenty more. There's plenty more to come. Because uh, we also, by the way, we've got to very quickly mention, because I love this. So um, at the end, uh, I think it was the Blues game. You two were, were here for the game. Loons was doing commentary with me yeah. and George was here. And um, I don't know whether anyone noticed this, but at half time, for the first time ever, they never did it before and they've never done it since. They did a half time foot golf competition yeah. that you both were you both were involved in. And um as uh, like as the teams are running out for the second half you two just carry on playing foot golf. You're so competitive with each other. It's like both teams are on the pitch and you two are still finishing off this contest. But that's just to tell you the, 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 the competitiveness between us as friends, but between us as teammates, we always, want to, we always want to win. We always go out there to win, especially when we are against each other. That There's times, you know, I'll tell him you're not scoring today. And then he goes and he scores a couple of goals. And I will not hear the end of it for the next week <laughs> until I try to stop him from scoring. So that's to tell you. But yeah, it's just we wanted to see who was the closest, even if we didn't put it in in, in the in the goal hole. But we wanted to see who was the closest to, to the I goal hole. So I'll give you that. I, won that. I think you did win, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I'll give you that. No, it's good. Maybe so, we'll get round well done, Chrissy. at some point. <laughs> Georgie! George, thank you very much indeed. George Ellicobi. Thank you very much for having part me. Part the Old Gold Club. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.